You're listening to IPR Radio. I'm Shanjay Mukherjee. In today's session, we speak to Mr. Amit Sachdev, South Asia Regional Consultant for U.S. Grains Council. We will be discussing on feed ingredient availability and its future trends for sustainable Indian livestock sector. Good morning, Mr. Sachdev, and welcome to today's session. With Good morning, Sanjay. With feed accounting for almost 70% of the cost of production in the livestock sector, we would like to ask you a few critical questions regarding the uh, highly volatile feed ingredients market. Mm -hmm. So our first question for the day is, uh, what are the major causes of feed and feed ingredient shortage in the livestock sector? Because this is a real problem. Understood. Thank you very much, Sanjay, for giving me this opportunity to talk to your people around. Um, I think you have done a fantastic job of creating this podcast. Thank you. So your first question, major causes of feed ingredient shortfall. I think it's the India's growth story. Very clearly, the meat, milk, egg demand continues to grow and will continue to grow, which is leading to shortfalls here and there. Mm -hmm. Now, if we look at some numbers, India has the largest population of cattle buffaloes and we cannot feed them. So our shortfall in concentrate, green fodder and dry fodder is huge as per government of India data. And the same goes for grain and protein meals. So overall, we do need milk, meat, eggs to feed not only our people, but also look at exports. So overall, our, our demand, we have to feed these animals first. Then only we can get protein, meat, milk and eggs for the population. Right, right. Yeah, so you were just talking about uh, the protein demand. So can India increase the supply of uh, high quality animal feed ingredients to meet this uh, growing demand for protein? And how do we do it? Certainly, um, we can increase the demand of all the feed ingredients. Certainly, we can do that. But we need new technologies. We need new technologies. But at the same time, there has to be an option of trade. So just, just to go back a bit, just to go back mm -hmm. a bit, the, when we look at feed ingredient demand, when we look at feed ingredient demand, we also right. need right policies in this matter mm -hmm. so that the farmers can grow as i said right new technologies are available the world is and is is adopting new technologies let's look at africa for example africa is adopting gm why is it that as indian farmers cannot be allowed to use gm as a technology but I, the second thing is trade option if trade is allowed to happen, then it becomes much more easier to fulfill that demand. So what would you think is the role of uh, domestic maize production in enhancing the availability and fulfilling demand of the country's animal feed requirements? Also, what would be the other uses of maize and other grains in today's changed context or today's evolving context? Great question. I will answer your second question first. Okay. Corn or maize, as it is called, is a very versatile grain. Mm -hmm. 
and can be used as food feed industrial. Industrial, I mean, to produce starch as well as ethanol. And frankly, if we are using corn products, it is from the time we wake up in the morning or by the time we sleep, we are using corn products throughout the day as an industrial component. Now to answer your first question, India's maize production is about 28-29 million tons. And our grain demand at this point of time is about the same. Right. India is also a net exporter of maize to the tune of about 2-3 to 3 million metric tons. And as India's maize is competitive in Southeast Asia and South Asian market, we continue to export also. But India's demand of maize in 25-26 is likely to be 34 to 35 million tons. Can we match this demand? If business is as usual, we believe the production could be to a max of 31 million tons. And if that happens, the shortfall is going to be increasing. And as soon as ethanol is added to the mix, because Government of India has allowed use of maize to produce ethanol. Right. That will add to the pressure if we do not increase production or if we allow trade. But at the same time, we know also that as the grain demand increases and there is shortfall, feed manufacturers, farmers tend to use other grains in their feeds. It could be wheat, it could be rice, it could be pearl millet, which is bajra which balances some of the demand. But that's not the way to go forward. Now, because we're talking feed ingredients, right. uh, as we started this discussion, mm -hmm. we also need to look at protein meal supplies because when we feed our animals, it's not only grain, we also feed protein. Mm -hmm. So in 25-26, our protein meal demand is likely to be 34 million tons. Supply 28 million tons. And we will continue to export because we are competitive in the region. So what happens if the price increases? Small farmers stop growing birds or limit feed, for example. Milk producers also limit feed, uh, giving feed to the animals, which reduces milk production. And then they try unconventional feeds, which are not good for animals or for humans also. So I think what is important is we need to continue to grow domestically, but a trade option always is very, very important for us. Right, right, right. Very valid points, I think, absolutely. So, driven by uh, its population growth, India is a, has a growing demand for protein. So, what are the options that we have today to cater to this demand? By protein demand, you mean animal protein? Correct. Absolutely. Animal protein. I stand corrected. Yes. Meat, milk and eggs. Right. As I said earlier, India's demand of these products continues to grow. And we also need to understand that the ingredients we feed to the animals are part of the food chain. So that, that's also very, very valid. As I said earlier, if we start feeding unconventional feedstuffs to the animals, ultimately, mm -hmm. the protein or toxins or anything which is in feed gets part, becomes part of the food chain, goes into the animal. 
So any bad quality ingredient, if it gets into the food chain, is going to affect the food that we eat. Just taking an example, aflatoxin in feed, B1, for example, converts to M1 in milk. So a bad quality corn or any, for that matter, any other ingredient that might contain toxin, if gets fed into to the bird or animals, eventually the food chain is going to be affected. So what do we need? We need a consistent supply of good quality ingredient, which also provides good, consistent nutrition at the same time, but also is priced reasonably. All these things are important. Consistent supply, consistent nutrition, and reasonable price. Mm -hmm. But we also do understand that price is very dynamic. It is dependent on supply and demand. Sure. So we need to see how do we fulfill that growing demand of feed ingredients first so that we can fulfill the demand of India's protein, this animal protein. Okay. The next question is a very contentious issue. So what is the role of uh, genetic engineering in mitigating the future crisis in the livestock ingredient sector? The livestock feeding immediate sector? Great question. And thank you for answering, asking that question. Now, around the world, as I said earlier, many countries are using new tech, including GM, to mitigate the food and feed crisis both. It is one tool that can help us. Not the tool, but one tool. And India already has one ingredient, feed ingredient, which is GM. It's cotton seed and cotton seed cake. We also know that its production increased many fold since India adopted GM technology in cotton. And if we look at other countries around us in the region, I think Vietnam is a very good example for us. It allows GM crops to be grown in country and also to be imported as a GM feed ingredient. So that's one part. The other section, other other part of the story is if we are looking at newer technologies, then there is CRISPR technology also. So we can talk more about CRISPR technology, but that's, that's a bigger piece at this point of time. And government of India has allowed the use of CRISPR technology also in India. So genetic around the world, if we look at, there are very few countries now which are left with non-GM options. Most of the countries have moved on and are using GM technologies to produce food and feed ingredients. And I think India stands a chance to move forward. Great. Uh, Mr. Sesdev, what exactly is uh, DDGS and uh, can it be a solution in making sustainable animal feed ingredients? And I will specifically talk about corn DDGS as it is produced in US. Right. In the US, we use about 140 million tons of corn maize to produce ethanol. 
So DDGS primarily is a co-product of the ethanol industry. And when we are producing ethanol, we get three other products. One, wet cake. Two, solubulate. And third is the carbon dioxide. Ethanol being a main product. And DDGS primarily is wet cake plus solubulate and which is dried to give you dried distillers grains with solubles. DDGS. Corn-based DDGS has a protein content of about 28% and a fat content of about 5 to 6%. Now, when we are wanting to produce ethanol, any grain can be used to produce, any grain that has starch can be used to produce ethanol. Right. But then the co-product will be different. Hmm. That co-product, which may be called DDGS, but will have a different protein, amino acid profile and fat content. So you basically cannot club DDGS, all DDGS together. Hmm. Okay. On DDGS is different than rice DDGS or wheat DDGS or Bajra DDGS or Jowar DDGS or Sorghum DDGS. We can say it is DDGS, but then it's all different. Yeah. So corn DDGS, you say it has the highest protein percentage, is it? Of the no, grains that you all, mentioned? It's all dependent on what is the protein content in your raw material. Mm. So let's take an example. Corn has a protein content of 9%. Okay. It has 66 or 67% starch. So basically, I am taking away 66% of the material mm. to make ethanol. Okay. Rest, everything gets multiplied by 3. Sure. So if it has 9% protein, my DDGS mm. technically will have mm. 9 into 3. 27, 28%. 27-28% protein. Right. And if my corn had 4% starch, it will have about, or 3.5%, it will have about 10.5% percent of oil. The new technology that we are using in the US, we are also removing part of oil by okay. centrifugation, centrifuging. Okay. Yeah. So that's the reason I said 28% protein and fat content of 5 to 6% mm -hmm. in the US DDGS that is currently being sold. Okay. So US produces about 44 million tons of DDGS. Okay out of which 12 million tons is exported around the world. Mm -hmm. okay. I think there are countries around us mm -hmm. which are importing corn DDGS and using it in poultry, dairy, aqua, across okay. the board, across the board. Right. And it's a very, very suitable, sustainable animal feed ingredient which is very, very consistent because the technology which is used to make ethanol and to produce DDGS is very consistent. State of the art. Right. Is there a way to reduce the demand supply gap in ingredients in India? <clears throat> what would be your suggestions? As I said earlier, new tech must be introduced to produce more, but the trade option must be open. 
which I think should be a two-way street. I think we saw how SBM, the soybean meal imports, right. helped reduce the prices of soybean <clears throat> meal in the country. Mm -hmm. I think the same criteria should also be used for DDGS. Now, we do understand that these products are produced from GM ingredients. But as per Katahina protocol, they are designated as non-living modified organisms or non-LMOs and should not require any clearances. And that's what happened with soybean meal. What is our interest? Ultimately, our interest should be to increase the overall supply of ingredients to increase the total pie. Sure. So that the prices of these ingredients remain stable so that our cost of production of meat, milk, eggs is, is, is stable. We are competitive and the demand continues to grow not only in country but also for export of these value-added products that our farmers produce. So one last question uh, to you, Mrs. Sajde, for today. What can we do to make the Indian livestock sector more competitive in the world market? See, our efficiency of production for meat, poultry meat and eggs, I think, is, is good. Which is, I think, our FCRs are world class. Our handhouse production is world class. But our feed prices are very high. Because, again, as we started this discussion, right. your first question, shortfall. We need to fulfill that shortfall. Then only we will be able to be competitive. I think we, as I said earlier, we should be looking at selling, exporting, value-added meat, milk, and eggs. And right. we're not saying, see, we cannot stop export of ingredients uh -huh. because we are competitive there also. But trade of feed ingredients is a very, very important aspect to become competitive for livestock sector. Right. I think that is a key. We need to fulfill our demand of, of feed ingredients to feed those small farmers mm -hmm. who may have one, two, five animals also. Right. We also need to make sure that they continue to be in business because that's our backbone. Sure. So small farmers need to stay in business, be it poultry, be it small layer farmers, even backyard poultry guys, and small dairy farmers. Everyone needs to feed animals at a very, very reasonable prices. As you started the discussion, you said 70% of that cost of production right. is feed. So okay. we need to make sure that feed, good quality feed, consistent quality feed is available to our farmers year round. And that's why that's how we can be competitive in the world market. Mr. Sazdia, thank you so much for this very interesting session. Uh, I'm sure our listeners today gained some very, very 
useful insights from the session. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for inviting me for this session. Any other information, I will be available. If, you are, if your listeners have more questions, I'll be happy to answer them any other time as well. Thank you so Thank much. You very much. Have Thank a great day. You. you too. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to IPR Radio. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're also available at www.iprradio.in.